0: Alright, welcome everybody to the year that was. Dot dot dot. I'm your host, Aaron Max, along with my brother Nate. What's up, Nate? Hello. And our reigning and defending light heavyweight champion Archie Mitchell. What's up, everybody What's buddy? up,
1: everybody? How are <laughs>
2: he's, you become, he's becoming a cruiserweight.
0: Yes. 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 So um <laughs> a little inside joke there. Um, just to let you guys know what this show is. It is a week by week um, discussion of the major happenings on televised wrestling. Um, it was kind of a weird way to phrase it, but it is what it is. Um, like I said, it's televised nationwide wrestling. We're not going over like, you know, what happened in fucking, um, PFW or whatever, which there's nothing wrong with that. There's a great show that does that. If you want to listen to it, um, it's, it's Nate's show. Um, But also, this is more about basically the Monday Night Wars at this point. Mm -hmm. Uh, WWF, WCW, what was going on there week by week. Um, What we're going into now is we're coming out of Spring Stampede 1997, um, which happened on April 6th. And so obviously now we're on April 7th, 1997, the Monday Night Wars... Kicking high gear here, um, so unless you guys have anything else to add to that, I don't know if I explained it properly, but that's what we're doing. Um, unless you guys have anything, we're gonna roll right into nitro.
2: This is uh Good on my part. Like I've said in the past, as we've gone through these shows, this is when this is like Aaron said. This this little period right here is when the Monday Night Wars really heat up because. Essentially, Vince is frustrated, tired of having his back against the wall, and that's when Vince McMahon performs his best, when he's under pressure. So now you're getting some of the best television the WWF has produced in years.
0: Yes, and it's also, um, mm-hmm. honestly, some of the best, Not, I don't want to say in-ring, because WCW was always good in-ring, but they're actually having – compelling storylines and things happening on their show it's not it's not robocop anymore i mean there's still like the dennis robbins and the kevin greens but it's not ding dongs and
2: yeah
0: robocops and norman the lunatics
2: it's yeah and, and and most of the year that you're covering here 97 is all good because wcw essentially my opinion peaks at Starcade 97
1: yes. so right there
2: you go. Um, and we'll get there It'll be a long journey, but we'll get there. So we're
0: in uh, WCW Nitro. We're going to do Nitro first because we're coming out of the WCW pay-per-view. They are in Huntsville, Alabama at the Von Braun Civic Center. I have no fucking idea who Von Braun is, but he got a Civic Center named after him, so good for him. Um, The show starts with a recap of the ending of Spring Stampede. Not what they should have shown, but what they decided to show was the Randy Savage-Eric Bischoff confrontation. Instead of, you would think, WCW Nitro, we hate the NWO, they might have recapped, I don't know, DDP beating the Macho Man Randy Savage. Right. Uh, much like I, Arch, you weren't able to join us last week, but the end of Spring Stampede, if you guys don't know, it was um, a Macho Man versus DDP in this, like long like heated angle they had this feud and DDP finally beats the Macho Man and instead of sending the people home happy with the pay-per-view they end it with the Macho Man and Eric Bischoff getting in a confrontation so all the um, all the fanfare they could have got for DDP they just kind of like hey yeah DDP won okay let's get him out of here let's let's move on with Bischoff's vanity project
2: here yes
1: this was, this was one of WCW's problems as well at this time as they were putting Bischoff and Hogan front and center in everything. Yeah. Uh, like you said, DDP should have been able to have a ticker tape parade having beaten the Macho Man, uh, but instead it was Bischoff and Macho have cracks in the NWO now. And what really should have happened at this pay-per-view, granted it was Spring Stampede, but I believe Hogan has been gone three months already without a title defense. And his next title defense is... Roddy Piper again, so it's not exactly like they're got everything, you know, firing on all uh, all cylinders when it comes to the WCW World Title Division or the NWO storyline right now. So,
0: um, so we get uh, Tony Schiavone and Larry Zabisco checking in on play by play, and now they're going to discuss and show video stills of Randy Savage versus DDP, and they also once again. Overshadow that by discussing the turmoil within the NWF. Yes.
1: <laughs> so, you, our- you know, oh, I don't mean to interject, Aaron, but you know That's what I fun. used to love about wrestling back at this time period? Everything used to say, courtesy of WCW or WWF magazine on the bottom, when it was a still photo. And nowadays, they actually show you the whole match on Raw or yeah. whatever show you're watching. Before it was... Buy the magazine to find out what happened at the pay-per-view. Now it's hey, we don't give a shit. You watched it or you didn't. hear watch it all. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it, it's not
0: a it's I, I, I don't want, It's not a business anymore. I don't. I don't know. Does that make sense? I agree. No, I agree with you. But but um, like it, it, it's it's. It used to be, buy our magazine, buy our, buy our ticket, buy this, buy that, and now it's just stream, 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 whatever. Yep. But um, Tony and Larry check in. Like I said, they talk about the turmoil of the NWO and show stills the DDP versus Randy Savage. And the opening match is Conan teaming with Hugh Morris to go into a tag team match against Alex Wright and Psychosis.
2: That's a random team.
0: Yes, it's a random match. And it, um, it, um, um, then they show a DDP arriving earlier today. Um, and he's bruised up, banged up, saying it's not over. Um, this, is, the funny part is he keeps telling the cameraman to get out of his face. He's like, get out of my face. I don't want to talk to you. But then he continues cutting a couple <laughs> <into> the camera. <laughs> He's like, get out of my face, monkey boy! This thing with Savage ain't over. I'll tell you what, get that camera out of my face. I want him again. It's like, Son, you either want me out of your face or you want to keep cutting your promo, DDP. I don't understand. Um, and the match is what it is. It doesn't. It, it doesn't sound like on paper that it should be good, but it wasn't actually a bad match. I mean. The the collection is weird, but the guys themselves aren't bad. So it was mm-hmm. a decent little opening match with Hugh Morris um, getting the no laughing matter on Alex Wright for the victory.
2: And so, I think after this point, Hugh Morris and Conan for a little while at least become a more regular tag team.
0: Yeah, um, well, they're they're really the only things left of the Dungeon of Doom, except for Kevin's. Like the Dungeon of Doom is weird right now. Mm-hmm it's like Kevin Sullivan, Conan and Hugh Morris. And then like randomly Max will come out and they're like, "Oh, he's part of the he's part of the Dungeon of Doom."
2: It's and it's funny too cuz no matter what their personality is, they're coming out to that slow music. Yeah. So like Conan's coming out to that slow music, but he's going, "Adelaide, Adelaide." <laughs>
0: weird, weird little collection of people. Um, so the next match is Lord Steven Regal Versus Ray Mysterio Jr. Um, neither one of them get a televised entrance. It goes to commercial. It comes back. They're in the ring and Tony Schiavone completely fucks up and they're standing in the ring and it's like ding, 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 ding. And Tony's like, and here we go. Lord Stephen Regal versus Prince Iakea. <laughs> and then he just keeps going. Like he doesn't even correct himself. He's like, it's Lord Steven Regal versus Prince Iakea. Look at this here with Rey Mysterio now going into this match. It's like he just kept on going. Um, NWO members arrive. This this herd of NWO is Hulk Hogan, Eric Bischoff, Vince, and Ted DiBiase. So they arrive together. Um, Regal is um, bumping like a madman for Rey Mysterio is just He's selling these Huda and these flips and flops. He's doing a fantastic job. Um, Regal ends up, though, swatting down Ray Mysterio, getting him in the Regal stretch. Ray gets to the ropes, but Regal will not break the hold because he's pissed off. And uh, the referee, Randy Anderson, ends up qualifying Regal for refusal to break the hold off a rope break. And then... Prince Iakea comes out to try to stop this fuckery by William Regal, and William Regal beats the shit out of him and puts him in the Regal stretch, and everybody's happy about it. <laughs> like, Regal's super over right now; like the people aren't booing these beat ups that he's doing, to, these beat downs that he's doing to people. They're like into it. Yes, um, it's the sign of the times. Of um, back in the day, they would have booed him because he's a bully. But they, this is the like this fans, is, wrestling fans want to see a guy just yes. kick the shit out of something. This
2: is this is the mid to late nineties, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, <laughs> if you're this an asshole
0: a and a bully. People are like, yeah. Like from
2: 1994 until September 11th, 2001, we were one rowdy, raunchy country. <laughs>
0: yes. yes. <laughs> um, like if you look back at it now, Steve Austin was a prick. And we're going to talk about it in 97. He's an asshole the whole year. People <laughs> just fucking love every minute of it. Um, so now the next round of NWO members show up. It's Buff Bagwell, Scott Norton, 6 Mike Rotunda, Randy Savage, Fake Sting, Liz, and Kevin Nash. That's who arrives. Um, so more people are kind of siding with Kevin Nash and Randy Savage than they are, um, Hogan, Hogan basically has, has Virgil and, and, Ted DiBiase and Kevin Nash has everybody else. Welcome back, Archie. Sorry about that.
1: My internet decided to drop out.
0: Oh, I understand. Um, but just let, just recapping the entire NWO Archie has now showed up, but there are two different factions. We'll go over this How one else? more time. because it's important. Um, for later on the, the, the NWO breakdown is Hogan Bischoff, Vince and Ted DiBiase on one side. And then Buff Bagwell, Scott Norton, six Mike Tunda, Randy Savage, fake sting, Liz and Nash on the other side. So, yes. Um, the next match ice train comes out with Teddy long as his manager. And, the horseman music hit and I was a little worried because I thought it was going to be ice train versus Steve McMichael for some reason. I did not want to watch that, but no, no. it was not, it was Chris Benoit. So Chris Benoit comes out with woman. Um, while this match is going on, um, the NWO confront each other in like a little tiny room in the back. Um, like he's trying to play mediator and they're just kind of arguing with each other. Hogan and Savage are, and Nash um they do little it's actually not a battle statement. They do little subtle things in it. Like like Savage and Hogan are kind of arguing with each other and, and Nash just walks away. But Hogan's not like, "Where are you going, brother?" or anything like that. They just they let you see what you know what I mean?
2: Yes, there's obvious. there's obviously tension. Yeah, but they're not and, but, they're
0: not over explaining it. They're just right. like you see what you see and I just thought this was actually a pretty well done segment.
1: Uh, but, it was, it was, but mainly because there was actually real turmoil going on as well. Uh, I remember listening to a shoot interview with Kevin Nash where he says at this time he was pissed because they weren't using Scott Hall correctly and the WCW tag titles weren't really being defended that much and he was pissed that his friends were kind of being pushed to the wayside so that Hogan and Bischoff could do their thing. Meanwhile, him, Macho, and Scott were the only ones wrestling at the time. So, it, And all the, it, all, it,
2: all the bullshit that's going on with these guys right now, because Aaron's show is taking place in, at this point. We're into April. And on Slice of Time, obviously I do a week. It's the week that, you know, the literal week. So I'm into May. Late May, and by late May, Kevin Sullivan is given a leave of absence because Eric Bischoff's like, I think Kevin Sullivan might essentially like kill himself or something because he's so stressed (laughs) out. Like, he's just, you know, it's like, you need to go home. These guys are stressing, you know, stressing the bosses out because of all
0: their bullshit. But anyway, he's gonna jump off his camper and commit suicide.
2: And sorry I keep muting my mic, guys. I keep having sneezing fits, like when you tickle a kitten's nose.
1: But anyway. Well, tell, tell the kitten to stop tickling your nose. <laughs> this,
0: this match is actually not bad. Um, ice Train kind of works like a big man thing over Benoit. Benoit like, has a couple points where you like, throw it. You guys know how Benoit was. He'd just throw his fucking body into something, yeah. you know, yep. and, but, but he's selling it like he's bouncing off an of ice train. So he's got to figure out. Basically, it's the little guy trying to figure out how to get this big fucker down. And he ends up doing it because he gets a DDT on ice train and pins him one, two, three. It was kind of weird. Never seen Benoit in a match with a DDT before, but that's the, that's the finish they went with. It's that- interesting.
2: People people tend to a lot of times shit on Ice Train, and I don't really get it. He was not ever going to be the world's heavyweight champion. He was never going to be a main eventer. But for a guy his size, he was a good. He was a decent worker. Yeah. Um. He was I no. Like, he wasn't. He wasn't as good as Scott Norton for a guy that size. But I always, you know, I mean, as far as just like, Aaron, like having a match with Chris Benoit, he's not doing anything embarrassing. You know, he's fine.
1: And he actually looks like a fucking wrestler. Yeah. Right. And I liked him when he teamed with Scott Norton. And I think that he learned a lot from Scott mm-hmm. as how to be a big man. Uh, I think that when Scott initially turned heel, I think they should have turned Ice Train heel with him and let them be a heel tag team.
2: Mm-hmm. But I
1: guess with the whole NWO thing, they knew Scott was going to end up joining up. Because right. of his affiliation to Japan. So Ice Train just kind of got left in the wind with Teddy Longus as his manager. And, you know... Jobbing to anybody and everybody.
2: And then he got settled with MI Smooth, and then he disappeared.
1: Yep. Um, <laughs> Jericho said that Teddy
0: Long's a great guy, but when you were in the WCW, if if creative was that coming to you and they were like, we got a great idea. We're going to put you with Teddy Long. You were like, oh, no.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> there was <laughs> a big difference between 80s Teddy Long, like when he was with the skyscrapers, and 90s Teddy Long when he was, oh, there's, there's you know, a know.
0: Big- there's a big difference between babyface Teddy Long manager and, and heel Teddy
1: Long. Right. You know, he was great in WWF when he was managing Mark Henry and Rodney Mack, but he was crap in WCW because they were saddling with Jim Powers and Ice Train and whoever they could, and he was just like, yeah, I'll manage him. no big deal.
0: Yeah, it was ridiculous. And then we get more hype for the double-team movie. Which I kept making, I kept kept fucking up the name. I think I called it, like, last week, I think I called it, like, Double Tick, or Double Kick. And the week before, it was, like, Double Trouble. The movie is called Double Team. And it's Dennis Rodman and Jean-Claude Van Damme in this fucking movie. And this is the premiere in Chicago, and Hulk Hogan's there, and um, he's doing that, like I said, he's doing that annoying... Hulk Hogan cutting a promo on entertainment tonight voice where he doesn't want to, I know what he's doing. He he's, he's projecting himself to outside the wrestling world. People because even when he's there, like he doesn't have his, he doesn't have his like, like black gruff. Mm -hmm. He just has like, he, he, he looks like he looks like normal Hulk Hogan just wearing black, a black outfit. If that makes sense. And he's not like talking like an asshole. He's like, "Yeah, me and the Rod Man, you know, we're hanging and banging." Like, like he, he's he's trying to play both sides of it. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to be a bad guy on shit that's like Entertainment Tonight because he still wants to be able to make fucking kids movies. <laughs> but he's still trying. What I'm saying making sense?
2: Oh yeah, it's his it's his schmoozing his schmoozing yeah. promo.
0: Yeah, and 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 it is what it is. Uh, Dennis Rodman is, like, wearing, like, lipstick and glitter, and he's outrageous. Um, Zabisco says, oh, there's Mrs. Rodman right there. <laughs> so, yeah. anyway, um, um, Rodman tries to cut a wrestling promo, and it sucks. I hate Dennis Rodman. I hate him! God damn, I hate Dennis Rodman. <laughs> so... This is the premiere of the movie, so hopefully this is the the end of of, of double team
1: hype. But, um, if you guys have anything on that,
2: nope. Right.
1: Uh, um, I didn't like. I didn't like Double Team. It was a crap movie, but. the made crap movies. I don't ever even remember watching it. Maybe I'll
0: watch it and we'll review it next week. I don't know. But uh... the next. Please don't. <laughs> ne- <laughs> Please don't the next match I thought it was going to be Chavo. I even started writing down Chavo because the Chavo's music hits, but it's not Chavo. It's Hector Guerrero. He comes out. He's going to be facing off against Kevin Sullivan with Miss Jackie and Jimmy Hart with him. Um, they're talking about the shit, the weird stuff that happened at spring stampede during the U S title match with Eddie being out there and Kevin being out there and, and just all the insanity of it. Um, and that now Hector is fighting Kevin Sullivan and um, uh, Zabisco can't get over how much Hector looks like Eddie. He just keeps talking about that. He really did,
1: though. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> but in reality, wouldn't be the fact that Eddie looked like Hector. Right. Seeing as yeah. Hector came first. <laughs> He's
0: just talking about how much they look alike.
2: Um, oh, what a turkey that Hector was. <laughs>
1: What a gooker. <laughs> Poor Chavo yeah. Sr. Nobody looked like him. Chavo's Jr. does now. <laughs> right, as he gets older, right. <laughs> but
0: uh, in this match, um, Jackie is just kicking the ever-loving shit out of Hector every time he's out on the ground. She's slamming around, hip-tossing him, beating the ever-loving shit out of him. Um, basically, They're doing their own little China with Jackie is what
2: they're
0: doing. Mm. Um, And then um, she ends up throwing him back in the ring. Kevin Sullivan hits um, the double foot stomp and beats it. One, two, three. And that's just how that ends. Um, uh, Zabisco calls it the reverse Heimlich. I don't know if that's the actual name for it or what, or if he's trying to be funny, but it it didn't
2: work. It doesn't work.
0: Yeah. Um, so that match was what it was. The next thing, um, is a very big talking segment, but there's a lot of moving parts to it. So, um, bear with me, guys, okay? And if you got anything to say during it, just say hey, and I'll stop and we'll just keep going, right? All right, right. the NWO enters the arena in mass but separated. DBS, like, basically, the group Hogan's little group. They come out, and um, then Nash comes out with his big herd of people. And then Randy Savage is bringing up their ear because he's on crutches from his match with DDP. Um, is trying to play the middleman again, the mediator um, between the groups. He allows Hogan to speak first. Um, Hogan um, first says that Nash has a problem with him being at the double-team Movie premiere, Nash says he has no problem with Dennis Robin. He, in fact, respects Dennis Robin because, much like Robin, he played basketball as well. And he knows that he's an athlete, but essentially he's pissed off that he was left out of going to the premiere. Um, Hogan says he understands that and promises him the next time there's an NWO happening like that, he'll be able to go. And then Hogan questions where Scott Hall is. Um, Nash assures uh, the NWO that Scott Hall is NWO for life and says that if anybody's NWO, like nobody's more NWO than Scott Hall. Um, Which is true. Yes. And then um, Hogan then tells Nash, um, we're either going to make up or we're going to fight. It's going to be one or the other right now. Um, Nash Contemplates it for a minute and says to Hogan, I don't have to love you to respect you. Um, basically, I'm a man of my word, and you've been a man of your word. Um, we don't have to be friends, but the NWO is NWO for life. And if you got my back, I got yours, basically, is what he tells them. <clears throat> and they give each other the wolf pack. And then um, the attention turns to Savage and BBS, or Savage and Bischoff. And Bischoff says, or Hogan says to Bischoff and Savage that if me and the big man can make up and bury the hatchet, you two should be able to do that as well. Savage kind of swings Bischoff a little bit. Bischoff's backing up. Um, then Savage says, much like um, Eric Bischoff's on probation with Ted Turner, um, he's on probation with the Macho Man, and they can be friends. The, basically, he says, we'll put this on hold. I'll say I'll be your buddy. I'll have your back. But if you fuck up one more time with me, if you put your hands on me one more time, I'm going to I'm gonna knock your ass out. So he says, as long as you don't interfere with me again, we ain't got no problem. So basically, he's saying, if I want to smack a woman like I wanted to last night, you just watch it and we'll be okay. <laughs> right. And Bischoff's, like, watch. and Bischoff's like, cool, I'll do that
2: this is essentially, this whole thing is essentially like, it's kind of like Archie was trying, I think, trying to say earlier. It's, this is essentially real life playing out on TV. Right. You know, the, the, the politics of the whole thing are making they're making the NWO too complicated.
0: Yes. So, they all end up leaving together, and Tony and Zabisco are a little little dejected because they thought this was going to be the, the imploding of the NWO, but they're all, they're all hunky-dory now. As long as everybody just stays at everybody's way and has each other's backs, they're good. Do um, so you guys got anything on that? I know that was a long. Yeah.
2: Yes, I do. Actually, this is my biggest problem that I have with the NWO storyline is you have, you, 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 you developed a storyline that was a great thing. It hasn't even been a year yet and it's already imploding. I've always contested, shouldn't the implosion of the NWO been sparked by Sting beating Hogan? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you get right. you, you essentially by the time Sting gets his match with Hogan, the NWO's feuding with the NWO already. And you know, I mean I I don't know if what I'm saying makes sense,
1: but well no, you're right because look at it this way when Hogan lost to to Sting, none of the NWO was actually in the rings. You know what I mean? They didn't come to help Hogan. It was Bret Hart screwing Hogan, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, in a stupid finish, however it was. And then when Hogan lost to Goldberg, none of the NWO was there either. So right. you look at these the, the NWO, oh, we'll have each other's backs, but we'll stay out of each other's way. Well, why are you letting them lose the title then? That should have mm-hmm. made strife in the, in the faction. All it really did was make them stronger because, you know, later on in time we get to even more stupider NWO storylines. That they just keep coming back to life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. So I just thought this was,
0: it was, it was, it was decent, but it was just too long. Mm-hmm. It went way too long. Um, hour number two starts. It's uh, Tony is joined by Bobby Heenan and Mike Tanay. And then Mean Gene introduces Ric Flair. This is kind of the start of Flair being top of the hour. Like, bringing Flair out for the Mean Gene interview, like, right at 9 o'clock or 8.55 because they think Flair will keep people watching and not Mm -hmm. flip over to Raw.
2: Yet he never do a dime.
1: Yeah,
0: never do a dime, but we want to make sure we keep ratings, so we're going to have Flair at the top of the hour.
1: Here's the the funny thing, though, Aaron. I agree with you, but if you were going to try to keep fans watching by doing a Flair promo, maybe have him change the promo from week to week instead of it being the same damn thing week in and week out, him coming out and going, woo, by God, Gene and then, you know, this guy's on horseman business and we're going to do this and, uh, you know, Piper and it was the same promo every week, you know, so. Well, so,
0: speaking of that, Rick Flair comes out and he's going to talk about horseman business. Mm-hmm. And he brings out Roddy Piper. <laughs> Roddy Piper comes out and, um, this is a funny time, and well, not not just this time. Like they, even when they were together in like '99, when both of them were like totally batshit crazy. Um, to me, one of the subtle um, joys in the wrestle in, in, in wrestling. Is bagpipe Roddy, Roddy Piper music playing and Rick Claire doing the strut dance. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ric Claire getting down to Roddy Piper's bagpipe music cracks it's, me up.
2: It's wonderful and ridiculous.
0: Every time it doesn't matter when I see him fucking dance, the bagpipe music fucking cracks me up. <laughs> so uh piper comes out they're talking about being reunited and i think i think that nwo segment went a little too long not like out of personal opinion but i think for the show because this is really rushed like pipe like flair comes out and he's like i'm reunited with roddy piper and here's roddy piper right now and then roddy piper comes out and roddy piper says some shit real quick and talks about how the nwo stinks and when he means it stinks he's like they smell like like seven dead otters in a drain pipe. And then he goes, and speaking of that, we got Kevin green a- and, and Kevin green is in the ring before Piper can even finish. Introducing Kevin green. <laughs> so like, it's like, I think they just rush these guys through this. And basically, um, Flair Piper and Kevin green, um, Kevin green kind of marks out. Like he gets in the ring and he's like, I'm here, baby. I'm, and he, and he's cutting his, like, you know, regular football player trying to cut a wrestling promo thing. But he's like, I'm in here, baby. I'm in here. Roddy Piper, freaking awesome, man.
2: I was just about to say that I always – he was always one of my, like, top five like favorite celebrity wrestling involvements, like, yeah. like Mike Tyson, Lawrence Taylor, Kevin Green. Kevin Green – it, the best guys are always the one that you know just love the business and want to work. They want to yeah. put, do a good job. You know they're not. They're not. Kevin Green wasn't just there for the paycheck. I'm sure that was nice.
1: Yeah,
0: but he was like, like he was like, Roddy Piper, freaking awesome man. <laughs> <laughs> had, like it wasn't him, like. I think it was at that moment he just realized, like they had probably been talking about this, and then he just realized I'm in a fucking wrestling ring with Ric Flair and Roddy <laughs> Piper. Yeah.
1: It, right?
0: Christ. it's actually <laughs> happening now.
2: I put Kevin Federline on that list too. Yes, Kevin Kevin Federline was a good heel.
0: Yeah, and 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 for what it was, I thought Carl Malone did a good job too. Yes, Carl
1: Malone did do a very good job with BDP.
0: Uh, mm-hmm. Um. So basically these three are challenging any members of the NWO to a six man match at the next pay-per-view. So that's what we get out of that. Um, and then they're, they're out of there quick. Like I said, I think they got, I think that NWO thing went out longer than what it was supposed to. Um, and who's going to say anything? Eric Bischoff was in it. Like he's like, he go right. back and be like, whatever, fuck off. It's my <laughs> shit. Um, then the next match is um, the best match on the show, obviously. It's Chris Jericho trying to wrestle the United States Championship away from Dean Malenko. Um, there is a point, and, and this is something that I miss in wrestling, okay? They're talking about this match, and Mike Tenay points out that a couple months back, at a pay per view, Eddie Guerrero or Chris Jericho had a really good showing against Eddie Guerrero in a United States championship match. And that's why the championship committee has decided that Chris Jericho, who's normally a cruiserweight, is now deemed quality enough or whatever to be able to compete for the United States championship. Like like do you get what I'm saying? Like like there's a reason for these matches and, and right. there. Like it's not right. just two guys going out there and being like, okay, you and I are going to fight tonight. They're, they're, I miss the fact of there being like a committee or somebody in mm-hmm. charge making a reason why, these, like somebody controlling what's going on back
2: there. And not somebody like, not somebody like a, uh, not somebody who every single wrestler every single week walks into their office and they'd right. have a discussion looking at the – both facing the same way at the camera. And, yeah. you know, it's an unseen – I mean, and granted, you have you have a representative in J.J. Dylan or whatever that once in a while when a big decision has to be – but 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 I like what you're saying. Like, we don't have to always hear from the fucking committee. This is the decision they made and the air announcers tell the people why they made that decision. Yeah. Um,
0: they um, have actually, like I said, a really good match. Um, like, I don't think these two could have a bad match if they wanted to. Um, they do a lot of like chain wrestling and the team's putting over the D Malenko as a fighting champion. Um, then Jericho ends up, taking a face shot to the turnbuckle and drops down. Malenko um, basically punts him in the face and pins him one, two, three. Decent little match. Um, there. I mean, there's not a lot more to say about it. It was a match to keep, get Jericho on the show, saying that he's a scrappy up-and-coming contender and that D Malenko is a fighting champion, and that's why this match is happening. Mm-hmm. So it... Was effective. Um, the next match is um, High Voltage versus Public Enemy.
1: Hmm. I wrote, "Dear Lord," that'll put butts in the seats.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: the I think the less said about this match here and. I know. <laughs>
0: they end up. They end up getting Chaos onto a table. Grunge tries to drive him through it, but Chaos moves. So Rocco standing in the ring watches his stupid partner drive himself through a table, and he's just like, "Ah, jeez!" And as he's like looking at that, um, Rage hits him with a back suplex and pins him. And they talk about how High Voltage beating Public Enemy is a major upset.
1: I was majorly upset uh, for having to watch this. Right. <laughs>
0: but guess what, guys? We get to watch it next week, too, because after the match, the public enemy is upset, and they are interviewed by Mean Gene Overland, and they challenge High Voltage to a Philly street fight next week because they're going to be in Philadelphia, and they say, let's get extreme.
2: Boo. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, and the uh, crowd goes mild. Mm-hmm. Yes. Apparently, we're going to see a Philly street fight next week between High Voltage and the Public Enemy.
2: And the Villagers rejoiced. Yay.
1: Hey. Yeah. <laughs>
0: well, then uh, we see footage of Prince Ayaka getting taped up because, uh, you know, Regal beat him up earlier. And he's got to go in and face Ultimo Dragon for his TV title later on tonight. And then the next match is Harlem Heat with Sister Sherry versus Jeff Jarrett. And Steve Mongo McMichael, but there's no Steve McMichael. They have no idea where he is. Um, um, So then it turns into a two-on-one match, and Deborah's just talking about how she can't find Steve McMichael. Jarrett's trying to trying to mount an offense against Harlem Heat, and then um, Mongo um, finally shows up. Um but they don't really explain where he was at. Like, I, I don't understand, but he shows up and he ends up getting like a, a hot tag into the ring and Bobby Heenan Bobby Heenan says something that I either he was making himself laugh or he was just going with it and doing what he was told. But he claims that Steve Mongo McMichael is the most improved wrestler in the wrestling business. Last year, Mongo has improved better than any
1: other wrestler. And and Joe Gomez is a main eventer. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Come on now, though. We all know where Mongo was when he wasn't in the ring with Jared. He was out handling horseman business. Yes. Yeah. Or he was handling his own
0: horseman. I don't know. He was handling his own business. But Mongo ends up um, getting tagged back in. Wait, sorry. This, this is more convoluted. Jeff Jarrett, Mongo bullshit. Um, Jarrett who had just been getting the shit kicked out of him. Mongo, like I said, came in hot, tagged, did some shit, and then tagged Jarrett in quick. And Jarrett's like, "What the fuck?" And um, Mongo ends up pushing him in and, and into like a Harlem a sidekick side from uh, Booker T. And the Harlem Heat wins by uh, um, pinfall. And then me and Gene interviews Mongo and Jarrett. And um, same old shit with those two. Jarrett being like, you're supposed to be on my team. And Mongo's like, I'm on your team. And, and Deborah just calls somebody fat and nasty. And then they just they leave. Hi. Like, what is going on?
2: It's Daddy. Daddy.
0: Yeah, Daddy. <laughs> but, uh, there's a Lee Marshall... 1-800-COLLECT commercial, I can't even He didn't really make a weasel joke that I can remember. He I mean, was just talking about they were going to be at the, the Spectrum in Philly next week, is what it oh. is. What?
2: Um, there is one that I wanted to mention because it's the stiffest. It's not stiffest on Lee Marshall's part, it's stiffest on Bobby's part. There's one where Lee Marshall is in Memphis, I believe, because he brings up he brings up um, uh, Elvis Presley. And he says something to the effect of uh, instead of Heartbreak Hotel, it's Weasel Hotel. And Bobby goes, Memphis, Lee Marshall, Elvis, the wrong ones in the ground. <laughs> oh and I was like, oof.
1: <laughs> oh <stiff>. god!
2: <laughs> I don't know if I got Marshall's joke right, but I know I got Bobby's joke right. And I was like, ooh, that is
1: stiff. <laughs> that <laughs> that
2: was, on the ground.
1: <laughs> that was that was Bobby telling Lee Marshall, "Can you leave me the fuck alone yeah, when I'm you're done? anything to you, you fucking Tony the <laughs> Tiger bitch. <laughs> I'm for you, man." <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, the next match is the Ultimate Dragon with Sonny Ono taking on the Television Champion Prince Iakea. Prince Iakea's all wrapped up, shit, um, selling his ribs, and um, he does like a—he tries to get Dragon in something. Dragon kind of reverses it and ends up getting a stiff kick to the ribs on Iakea and rolls him up. One, two, three—new Television Champion. Ultimo Dragon, the Prince Ika experiment, is over.
1: Yes. For now. For now.
2: Until, yeah. until so shows up. Yes. Over. Yes.
0: He is no longer the world television champion. It is now Ultimo Dragon. So I can finally, once again, get into the television championship. <laughs> the journey is over. Happy days.
1: <laughs>
0: if I had one of them confetti gun things, I'd shoot it off. We'd <laughs> be all happy.
1: This As was a well, really, uh, real, really weird time for the TV title because it went from Prince IKEA, well, William Regal, Prince Ikea to Ultimo Dragon, respectable champion, to Alex Wright down the line to Disco Inferno. And then we were almost ready for that great series of matches with Benoit, Saturn, Booker, and Rick Martel. But this point in time, it was like, put anybody to, to, as the TV champion. We need somebody on TV with the belt. <laughs> yeah. I'm just glad. I'm glad the
0: IAK experience. I agree. Um, so, unless you guys get anything on that, we will yep. move into the main event of the night which is the Giant versus Scott Steiner. Um, Steiner, he's introduced first, and then out of nowhere, Conan and Hugh Morris attack Scott Steiner in the aisle. Then the Giant comes out, and he saves Scott Steiner. Then they run off the Dungeon of Doom, and then they leave together no match.
2: Thanks for coming, everybody.
0: Yes. But... They're like, oh, no, we have no match now. It's like, for one, what the fuck?
2: <laughs>
0: like, Conan and, and 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 Hugh Morris have had no interaction with the Steiner brothers or the Giant. Or, I mean, they could say they had interaction with the Giant because he used to be in the Dungeon of Doom. So, but anyway, this, this just seems stupid. But then um, they're talking about, like, we, we still got time on the show. We don't know what's going to happen. DDP comes out unannounced. And um, something I did appreciate, and it's something that doesn't happen anymore. This guy comes out, out unannounced, and guess what? No music. No music. Now somebody comes out unannounced, even during a
1: match. They hit their fucking music. Yep. Yep. I just saw it on Raw. Big Tag match going on. All of a sudden, here come the Usos for no reason.
0: <laughs> well, they play their music. Um, but DDP comes out. He cuts a promo on facing on facing Savage, and um, and that the, his match was an anomaly or whatever because winning isn't enough. And calls Savage out. Savage comes out on crutches, um, but Hulk Hogan um, comes down and stops him from, from getting in the ring, saying he'll face DDP since their family. So, you know, Hogan's trying to be like, I told you I'd have your back, brother. You know, so I'm going to have your back, brother. And he goes to get in the ring and Sting, the real Sting, drops down from the ceiling and is in between the NWO and DDP. And then he tosses DDP a bat and the entire NWO back down from Sting and DDP with their bats. And that's how we go off the air. And I'm assuming two of the NWO probably probably like buff and fucking Virgil or something busted off and ended up like getting pinned by DDP and Sting.
2: more than likely. Oh, without,
0: they got, they got
1: beat with a bad. Definitely. That was the, you know, yeah.
2: I talk a lot about the end of Hulk Hogan and sting and how disappointing it was. And we talk a lot about Hogan's politicking and, and all that at this point in WCW. There is one thing that I will never deny about Hulk Hogan at this point. When it came to Sting shows up and he is in the vicinity of Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan stole, sold Sting like he was, oh. he was the devil coming up from hell. That is yep. something I'll give Hogan. He always seemed – it wasn't even so much frightening or he wasn't frightened. He just didn't even understand. Like, what is up with this guy? This guy freaks me out. Like, Hogan did such a good job putting Sting over in that respect, because um, you know he talked that big game on the promo or whatever. But as soon as Sting dropped down out of the ceiling or some shit, or during a segment where Sting you wouldn't even expect he would be there and he'd show up, Hogan's gone. He'll he's gonna beat up on on the giant or Luger or whatever. But as soon as Sting, well, yeah, three, I, didn't,
0: I didn't meant I forgot to mention it, but like during the NWO segment. The fans started chanting, we want Sting. And Sting was like, you people don't know it, but Sting is going to get stung earlier than you think. And then, like, 20 minutes later, Sting shows up. And Hogan's like, let's get the fuck out (laughs) of (laughs) here.
2: But, yeah, I got to give Hogan credit for that. He always puts Sting over big time. My favorite
1: favorite Hogan fear face is when Sting dressed up like Sting and they just thought it was, like, an imposter that they brought with them. And when he pulls the mask off, Hogan looks like he saw it. like remember when Ultimate Warrior got there and Hogan found his head in a box and did that? It was the same yeah. way sheer terror. Like he was dressed like Sting. Who did you who did you really think it was? Scott Hall? It's like, I mean? when, it's like when
2: Undertaker came back and Kane's poking him and he's like, You're not real. Uh, You're wrong. not it's not really you. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff.
0: Yes. So that was the end of Nitro. Uh, do you guys need a break or anything? I don't. Okay. I'm gonna... All right. Then we're going to move into Monday Night Raw. Well, not Monday Night Raw anymore. Raw is war. Um, I am going to grab a beer.
1: Well, I mean, technically the first hour was Monday Night Raw, and the second hour was Raw is war.
0: Raw is war zone, whatever. Basically, Vince... Set it up. Where we had two shows.
1: Yep. You know what they called the third hour of Monday Night Raw? Boring. <laughs> Lord help me! Why the hell am I still watching this? Raw is bore. Yes. Raw is boring. <laughs> I like well,
0: that. this. <laughs> this was not three hour Raw. This was just two hours, basically a uh, an hour thirty with commercials. So that's the, the sweet perfect, spot. that's yeah, the perfect time for a wrestling show. There in Muncie, Indiana, at Ball State, uh, there's a video package of um, last week's fireball attack from Paul Bearer and Mankind onto the Undertaker. Um, they just keep showing different angles of that and the fact that Undertaker's burned. And then we come into the show, and the opening match is the British. It's a non-title match. It's the the British Bulldog and Owen Hart versus the Godwins. Um, Owen and Bulldog come out first, and Owen cuts a promo about Brett about how Bret Hart has brought love back to the Hart family, and that Bret should be appreciated. And people are people are haters. It's like you're all haters because we have love and respect in our family, and your family's all hillbilly white trash and all this <laughs> other stuff. And then he says, um, HBK is going to be coming out here later. And obviously the people pop. And he says that if HBK brings up Bret Hart at all, good or bad, doesn't matter. If you bring up Bret Hart, myself and the Bulldog, we're going to come back out here and we're going to beat your ass. Because Bret's not there.
1: Um, and, he mean, and he means it.
0: Yes, he means it.
1: Um, <laughs> And
0: then the LOD during this match, they cut a promo talking about they have an upcoming tag team title match on April twentieth against Owen and Bulldog, and Owen and Bulldog end up winning this match. Um, while the Road Warriors are cutting their promo, like they don't even like catch the on the big screen, like on a full screen, it's just in the corner or whatever. Um, so I, the, the finish is kind of. I couldn't really make out exactly what happened, but then Owen and Bulldog are leaving, and the LOD they come out and they are on top of the stage, on top of the ramp, confronting Owen and Bulldog. Owen and Bulldog try to leave, but the Godwins are behind them. The Godwins have their slap buckets. Bulldog and Owen are about to get slapped, but they duck, and the Road Warriors LOD get slapped instead. And this causes Owen and Bulldog to be able to get away and laugh and then causes (laughs) L.O.D. and the Godwins to get into a fight.
2: I can't remember, refresh my memory, are the Godwins during this segment, are they still in happy, lucky pig farmer gear or have they switched already to their Confederate flag shirts and stuff?
0: They're still happy pig farmers Okay, because they weren't trying to slap the LOD. They were trying. To, well, like, no,
2: I just I couldn't remember if if they had changed them over yet at this point. Oh, or no, that. their
0: titties aren't out or anything. They're still, <laughs>
2: they're still
0: wearing the like 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 Phineas is still wearing his yellow shirt, or Henry's still wearing his yellow shirt, and Phineas has his camouflage long sleeve or whatever. They're still happy. They're still happy hillbillies, right now until
2: LOD breaks uh, Henry's neck. Yes. Um,
0: so the LOD got slapped, they get pissed, they attack the Godwins, and it's a big brawl, and then they show Owen and Bulldog, and they're back after the break, they're back in the, in the, like, the, the interview area or whatever, which, guess what the interview area was? It was a TV on a cart, like, they'd roll in, like, like when you had a substitute teacher, you know, it was going to be an easy, easy period because they just roll the TV in with the VCR on it. Oh,
2: man. man. We're going to watch Lean on Me or we're Glory.
0: Me, maybe a couple episodes of Reading Rainbow. This is going to be easy today. Or, or Miss Pauline ain't in tonight.
2: <laughs> or are we watching Glory? <laughs> what are we watching? In my know.
0: school, In my school, in my elementary, it was Lean on Me and Cheetah. <laughs> that
2: was yeah. It was Lean well, on Me and Glory for us. Well, like, I, don't you know how many time, I don't know how many times I saw the movie Glory. because I saw Cheetah
0: more times than I ever wanted. Do you guys even know what that is?
1: No. Not me. About
0: a South African white kid that winds up bonding with a cheetah. <laughs> whatever.
1: Okay, I'm surprised you guys got mainstream movies. We used to get like independent films.
2: <laughs> well, see, the the, the movies were in, in, in high school for me when I was in elementary school. It was like, um, it was the same two videos of Schoolhouse Rock, you know. Yeah, put, <laughs> I'm just a Bill,
0: you're some movie, <laughs> you Bill. Those too. But whatever, it's <laughs> just a movie. Like, the teacher's like, we got two hours here, we're just gonna watch this movie. And then um, I had a teacher in eighth grade. His favorite movie was that fucking Quigley Down Under with Tom Selleck, the <laughs> <You know, probably laughs> Aborigine or whatever. If he had not a <laughs> the lesson plans, like we're gonna watch Quigley Down Under today. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I don't know how we got into that, but that's how I do now. The interview, the, the interview set, you know, and now is like this big like. HD stream, like all this crazy shit behind it. This was a area set up by the where the wrestlers go out and it was just a raw banner. Like what I got, like like what Nate and I have behind us and the fucking high school or the elementary TV tray. You know what I mean? TV. Yeah. That's all it was. <laughs> and if a wrestler decided he wanted to stop by and say something before he went out, that's where he did it. It wasn't some big fucking set. Anyway, Owen and Bulldog they keep wanting to watch this video of the LOD getting slopped. And Bulldog keeps saying, Play it again for the World Tag Team Champions. We're the World Tag Team Champions. Play it again. Play it again. And they just keep watching it and watching it. And then there's a point where they're watching it. And then all the all of a sudden, like, you hear something go, You stupid son of a bitch. And it's Steve Austin. And he's has to go out for his match. And he just sees Owen and Bulldog, like, laughing at this video. And as he's walking... He sees them and he starts yelling at them. And Owen Hart's like, This is our time. You're ruining our fun, Austin. And all this shit. There's no physical anything to it. It's just like Austin going to the ring, calling him a son of a bitch because he's got to go out (laughs) and have this match. And they're like, Leave us alone. You're ruining our fun. Austin (laughs) just goes away. I just, I I like, I don't know if I'm describing it properly, but it it seemed
2: spontaneous.
0: Spontaneous and real. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like anyway, um,
2: that if you, happened. If it was if it was today, and Austin would Austin and Owen never would have agreed to bullshit like this. But if it was today, first of all, they'd have all been facing the same way. Like, how are you even watching the video? It's behind you. And then Austin would have come up and also been facing the same way, and they would have delivered hokey cheesy stupid lines yeah. that were clearly not was- coming from them. This was just and Austin saying
1: you two are stupid sons of bitches and they're like stop ruining our fun.
2: Yes, they were just being
1: themselves. <laughs> he also wouldn't have interrupted them watching a movie. He probably would have broken their video game system or something.
2: Yeah, something like that. But yeah, it, it would have it, it yeah, this is just you know the segment was whoever's giving the direction, whoever's producing it, whether it's Bruce Pritchard or Vince McMahon or whatever, saying you guys are watching the video and you're having fun watching it. And Austin comes by and calls you some slur names and ruins your fun. Go. There was no pre planned, you know, Word. there was no script. There was, yeah. Anyway, so much. So
0: um, the show, we find out, is sponsored by Coliseum Home Video and America Online. And Vince McMahon says America Online is the exclusive cyberspace home for the World Wrestling Federation. It's the only cyberspace home.
2: <laughs> well, what? no, actually, no, that's not true.
0: Because
2: no, well, no, WCW, their website was on CompuServe. Okay. So you couldn't get the WWF's website on CompuServe, and you couldn't get WCW's on AOL. Okay. That changes very quickly within the next year or two, but th- this was right. the primitive days of home Internet for people who don't know. Very, very. very it, 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 the, those of you that don't know, your minds would be blown at how different it was. But anyway, you got mail. <laughs> so, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Come. Well, it's funny
0: because the camera's like, like, towards the set, obviously, but it's like a far shot. And you see the honky tonk man start to come out, but then he turns around and runs away, like back real quick. So I think Honky Tonk Man assumed me and Billy Gunn are facing Steve Austin. So we're probably going out first. (laughs) He went to go and fucking Monsoon was like, get the fuck back here or whatever. And he had to turn back around because Honky Tonk Man, he's like ready to get out. And then (laughs) he spins around real quick. And then Austin's music hit. So Austin comes out first. And then Billy Gunn comes out with the Honky Tonk Man and Honky Tonk Man. Oh, I forgot to mention Honky Tonk Man is on commentary this week. Lawler's still not around. I don't know where the fuck Lawler is. But it's still Honky Tonk Man, but he comes out with Billy Gunn, then he goes back to the table, and he's talking about Billy Gunn, loving Billy Gunn, this, that, and the other thing. Um, and then we go back to Owen and Bulldog, and they're still pissed off by Austin ruining their fun. <laughs> and um, they, they tell Steve Austin to leave. Um, Leave um, Bret Hart alone, stop talking about him. And then during the match, we find out that Sunday Night Heat is ripping and roaring. Sunday Night Heat. It's not what you think, though. It's USA Sunday Night Programming, entitled Sunday Night Heat, with Pacific Blue, Silk Stockings, and the Big Easy, Okay. Uh, like Blue, I gotta steal that man. Pacific Blue comes out at eight. Silk Stockings at nine. Big Easy at ten. You know what the most interesting thing about this whole thing is? What? Silk Stockings is Jim Ross's favorite show. <laughs> he says he's like Silk Stockings. That's my favorite. I love me some Silk Stockings, Honky. <laughs> and then Honky. It, about it used
2: him. to be. It used to be Murder She Wrote, and then and then. It was Walker, Texas Ranger, and now it's Silk Stockings.
0: I always thought of myself as Jim Ross being like a in-the-heat-of-the-night guy.
2: <laughs> like some some Carol O'Connor.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, but I just I thought that was funny that Jim Ross was stating that Silk Stockings was his favorite television program of all time. <laughs> but this match is going on. And Honky Tonk Man is singing the praises of Billy Gunn and um, Austin ends up getting the Stone Cold Stunner on Billy Gunn and pinning him one, two, three. And the Honky Tonk Man says he's going to go speak with Billy Gunn after the match. And he says that Billy Gunn should have no shame in losing to the Honky Tonk or should Billy Gunn should have no shame in losing to Steve Austin because Steve Austin is one tough son of a bitch but if he sticks with the honky-tonk man, honky-tonk man can make him a star, and Billy Gunn ends up punching the honky-tonk man and knocking him out.
1: Oh, so we're at the... This is the cusp of the New Age Outlaws. We're getting there. Yeah.
2: And then Jim Ross said, Silk Stockings is my favorite TV show since What's Happening.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it know is be funny? might You know It'll be funny? Because every now and then on AEW... Jim Ross has, like, a memory lapse and he doesn't remember who's in the ring and things. It'd be funny if, like, there was a match going on and all of a sudden he just You know, guys, I still like silk stockings. I
2: still like silk stockings. Is that st- here on TNT? Is that on Oh, TNT? no, that was the
1: USA Network. <laughs> it's
2: like,
0: it's Wednesday night. You know what that means? Dino Mike.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Dino Mike. my silk stockings on TBS. JR, <laughs> we told you it's not on this channel. <laughs>
0: And he's got a senior moment, and he's like, what's happening?
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's Wednesday night, and you know what that means. Welcome back, Cotter.
0: <laughs> so, anyway, um, then we find out that you can buy an Undertaker door banner for twenty nine ninety five dollars 95 from WWE, um, I almost said shop.com. That's not a thing yet. You got to call... 1-900-SHOP-WWE. You can get a Undertaker door banner for $29.95. This is a weird segment because Doc is selling it, and he's got these two door banners hanging up, and there's these two small children with their backs to the camera just staring up at the Undertaker door banner.
1: <laughs>
0: and then they spin around, and, they, and Doc talks to the little girl She's like back to you, Vince, and they're like, ha, 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 or whatever. So I'm assuming the little girl was somebody's kid,
2: probably. More than likely, it's, yeah.
0: It's weird the way they have the kids. It's like it was like some Blair Witch shit. <laughs> <laughs> you got to see it to understand what I'm saying, but it was fucking weird.
2: You know, every week they would they would hype these products. You know, every week it'd be some. You know either a jacket or like you said the wall banner you know like the most to me I don't know why but the most ridiculous one was it wasn't those pog things or whatever they were the most ridiculous one that I remember is uh it's it's that big inflatable w w f chair like, king like
0: of the ring <laughs> chair? huh that can that inflatable king of the ring chair yeah
2: <laughs> like <laughs> for you can get it for eighty five dollars <laughs> It's the most uncomfortable thing you'll ever sit in. You're probably going to pop it. <laughs> just, I'm like, that is the most ridiculous goddamn piece of merchandise they ever tried Weight. to hawk.
1: Weight restriction, 47 pounds.
2: Yeah, no shit.
0: <laughs> I think you guys are both a little older than me, right? Uh, Not by much, but mm-hmm. yeah. I'm 39. I only got you by year. All right. Well, Archie might remember this then. That was a thing for like a hot minute, just one short minute, when I was in high school, was inflatable furniture. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, it was. Like they had children and stuff. Like, he had a kid, so he had shit going on. Like he had a job and stuff. But that was a thing for a very a very short period of time. <laughs> you would go into like your buddy's room, and he'd have like one of those, like an inflatable chair. <laughs> And even how easy then, would it how
2: easy would it be to move?
0: <laughs> even
2: then. You kicked it across
0: oh, the not. room. Yeah, even <laughs> then, I was like, I'm not doing that.
1: <laughs>
0: like I tried the gaming chairs when those came out. I like tried that and I was like, This isn't for me. I can't sit in this thing. But when people were like, Do you want a like, no. hmm. you. Well, for, for, to blow up chair? Like, no. I'm not sitting
2: up my I, own chair. When I was in high school it was always challenging even to get out of your buddy's room because you had to try to get out of a beanbag chair. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ, you can get in, but you can't get out.
1: <laughs> try, try an inflatable chair. That was a This thing. is a Hotel, Hotel California. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so um, we found out about the Undertaker door banner, and then we meet a man. His name, he comes out. And he's, he's 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 speaking. He's he. How do I say it? He comes out and he tells everybody to listen to him, pay attention to me. And Jim Ross goes, "Who the hell's that guy?" And he goes, "I am the Commandant. Like it sounded like it was almost rehearsed, but it wasn't. Like so, basically, we get the debut of the Commandant, um, who, if you guys don't know, is the initial WWF leader. Of the Truth Commission. We haven't seen all and, of the Truth Commission yet, but he's on his the, the Commandant is here.
1: And he's apparently a good friend of Bret Hart. That's how he landed the job.
2: Yes. He has a South African actor. Yes. Yes. And if and, you guys Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, and I thought that with him with him with the gimmick, it was cool.
1: It was. Yeah, the jackal made no sense whatsoever. No, no, <laughs> yeah.
2: By the time they got the jackal, it was kind of. But I mean, I don't know. They just he comes off as kind of creepy, you know. Kind of, I don't know. I, I thought I, I thought it was
1: good stuff. Am I imagining though that weren't there four members of the truth commission, including the there, Commandant?
2: Okay, there was the com. West, there was uh, sniper recon, the interrogator. Kern, which, uh, the interrogator, and the other one was tank. Hank, which was Hank, actually right. which was actually Mantar. Okay. They were t- they were the truth commission in Memphis and they filmed stuff with them as all four of them. Right. So on some of the videos leading up to them debuting there is footage of all four of them but by the time they get to TV there's only the three. So that's why you remember him being in the, the truth okay. commission They get okay. rid of Mantar. Yeah, yeah like they shit no can sense. they shit canned him before they, they put like I said, they taped stuff with them. Like they right. had dark matches and stuff that they taped. But Which yeah, there was he never no made an appearance.
1: Because at that time in the WWE everybody was a four man gang. So right. why you would cancel one of the members makes no sense. I mean, you know manpower. what I mean? I, I know it was manpower, but I mean I doubt anybody would have recognized him. I think he wore a mask. He did. Yeah. So, I
0: mean, if you guys don't understand who the Commodore was, um, I can explain that he was in he was in movies. Like this man was an actor, an actor. I say was like he's dead. He's still alive. But if you want to <laughs> find out who the Commodore mm-hmm. is, um, you can go back and you can watch such cinematic classics as American Ninja Four, Annihilation, Cyborg, Cop, Cyborg, Cop, Cyborg Cop Two. And my personal favorite movie that he appeared in, Master Harold and the Boys.
1: <laughs> that that doesn't sound too kosher. Um, so I'm going to skip that one. But I like Master Harold,
0: Master Harold and the Boys. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> I wonder what he was mastering.
0: The Boys. <laughs> the that,
2: one in, that one was probably in Howard Finkel's collection. <laughs>
1: They don't have gay porn. Yeah, you don't know that. JR <laughs> was like, "Don't." J JR was like, "Don't watch that. Just watch Silk Stockings Wednesday yes. at nine, <laughs> and Sundays on Sunday Night eat. Sassafras. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Master Harold and the boys. That
2: it's was- Wednesday night. You know what that means, Master Harold and the oh, boys. boys.
0: I'm surprised, that isn't a, I'm surprised that isn't a faction in AEW. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, actually it is. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard of the wrestler from Ring of Honor. Um, what's his name again? The real flamboyant guy that kind of looks like Liberace.
2: Don't Dalton, Castle. Dalton Castle. Dalton
1: Castle. yeah. Well, he comes out with the boys and they're dressed boys. like, you know, in feathers and masks. and. I know.
0: So. i, I I, I, I didn't look too much too much into what Master Harold and the voice is about.
2: <laughs> that was a movie. Sometimes it's a door you don't want to open. And the no. com
1: the commandant was in it. That that is a, a search engine search I don't want to use because it might get me in trouble.
0: But he basically talks down America and um repeatedly calls them sissies. Sissy. Like that's his go-to. Is like you American sissies. Sissy. And that's how he says it.
1: Sissy. That wouldn't fly today.
0: <laughs> is he sissy, or is he, is he? calling us sissies or sassy? He's. Dude, saying, well, I, don't like I it. just.
2: I, I'll never forget the <laughs> way he says it. That's how he says it. He says susser.
0: That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> like, are you calling me a sissy or sassy? Because either way, I don't like
2: it. Once I, right. I met Terry Funk once. He said, "What are you a sissy?" Anyway. <laughs>
0: but he sends it then to a video of a man that is not a sissy such so a <laughs> man that should be respected and that's Brett the hitman Hart. And he is on a video because Brett Hart is in South Africa, he's in Cape Town, South Africa, and he's cutting a promo from a bathroom and it, like it's acoustic to, that way too. Like this is a bad audio yeah. video and um, he basically is talking about how America is, uh, or Americans can't handle the fact that Bret Hart's right, and that he's in Cape Town, South Africa, and and he got a hero's welcome, and the South African people are wonderful people, unlike the shithead Americans.
1: Yeah, shitheads. Um. So next my, week, oh, good. In my opinion, we're still shitheads, but that's yes. just my privilege. Um, So next week Is now
0: Disclosed that um, Raw is South Africa Raw will be in South Africa next week Johannesburg, South Africa Um, So that's coming up Um, The next thing Is the big talking segment For this show Um, It's Vince McMahon introduces HBK I'll try to get through this quick Um, First off, I hate when at this era, Vince would interview HBK. They were just basically jacking each other off.
1: Yeah, and I was just funny. about to say that. It's like Vin-Man.
0: And Vince going ha, ha, ha. It's, it's,
2: like, <laughs> yeah. ter- yeah, it's, it's Vince fake laughing at Sean's terrible jokes. Yeah. Sean's saying Vin-Man. I don't take to authority. You know about that, right? Somebody ah. in the ring knows about that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> why don't you guys just smack each other's asses And get it over with Part of me thinks Hawk was right in that
2: one <laughs> He may have been <laughs> He said they were gay together <laughs> so that's, the, he said, that's the only reason like, that's, he said the
0: only that's how reason he said it though that's he said, The only reason I can understand Why Vince would fire Brett over Sean Is that they were gay together
1: Gay together. <laughs> anyway, um, as opposed to gay with someone else. I mean, I did they were yeah. gay together. Um, Hbk
0: says he's not going to. Um, basically, he's not going to tell anybody when he's coming back. So everybody needs to stop asking him. Um, he brings up Bret Hart always. He <laughs> said people asked why Bret Hart became the bad guy. Has become a bad guy. And he says, I got news for you. Brett's always been a bad guy. He says the WWE, he says that Brett has said that the WWE or WWF has exploited his family, but he says that Brett Hart is, in fact, the one that exploited his own family because he wanted to make money. Um, HBK says that he supported Brett when Brett was the champion, but Brett didn't do the same for him once he became the champ. He said Brett went home. Hoping the WWF would fall and implode without him, but it didn't. He said it did better. We made more money in the time that Brett was gone. And he points at Vince and he goes, Am I right or am I wrong? And Vince says, You're right. Um, he also says that Bret Hart used WCW as a bargaining chip to leverage, to get more money out of this man. And he points at Vince and he says that he would never do that. And he works his ass off for, for Vince McMahon. Because Vince McMahon is one hell of a guy and deserves somebody working hard for him. HBK says that Bret Hart can't separate professional wrestling from his personal life. He said when Shawn goes home, he's not Shawn Michaels or HBK. He's just Shawn. When Bret goes home, he's still Bret the Hitman Hart. Shawn's talked about freedom of speech. And then begins, he says, I I believe in freedom of speech and expression. And now I'm going to strip. So then he starts to strip. But Owen and Bulldog come out to confront Shawn Michaels because they said don't say anything about Brett. And Sean basically said everything about Brett. But then Sean grabs the chair and backs down Bulldog and Owen and they run away. Good goddamn. <laughs> I hope I explained all of that.
2: There uh, is a, there there is a scurrying.
1: Scurrying to
2: be out. There's what? There is a stark difference, you know, because we just talked, when we talked about Nitro, we talked about the, uh, the politics behind the scenes playing out on camera. The politics behind the scenes playing out on camera on WCW makes for something confusing and at times kind of annoying, whereas being honest, the politics between Brett and Sean playing out on TV and WWF is fascinating. I don't Brett.
1: know why. It's just more well, entertaining. I think, I think the dynamic between Brett and Sean were they had such a lifelong relationship with one another, coming in as tag teams, battling as tag teams, and then the kind of title, one was always a face, one was always a heel, that it led it, it, it helped the feud, you know what I mean? Because they kept mm-hmm. having a nice, slow build whenever they would fight. Where with the NWO, it was just everything was just so fast. And then all of a sudden, like you said, Nate, it should have been ended by if it was going to come to an end, it should have been by Sting. Here it is; it's infighting. You know right. what I mean? And then it's mm-hmm. their own it's their own personal problems causing that infighting. So, yeah.
0: So, like I said, there was a lot to unpack in that, and I think um, Sean went where he wanted to go. And part of me is thinking Sean went there because Brett wasn't there
2: nobody so, <laughs> nobody no there to re, re, retaliate
0: yeah i mean even if some of the shit he said kind of true it's like there's nobody that can re what I'm, or rebut what i'm saying or whatever but um so that all happened and then um the war zone begins we get the war zone um intro video and then the next the match that they're gonna Open the war zone with is Barry Horowitz and Freddie Joe Floyd versus the Headbangers. Um, This match is going on. Um, honky Tonk man shows back up after getting punched in the face and they're like, your surprise didn't go very well honky. Cause he had been saying he's going to have a surprise and then Billy hit him. You know, and he's like, that wasn't the surprise. I don't know what you're talking about. It had nothing to do with my surprise. And um, what you Vernon, Vernon White, he cuts a promo. Vernon White is a guy that's going to have a no-hold expedition exhibition with Ken Shamrock later on tonight. And Vernon White cuts this promo, and he says, exhibition is just another word for a fight. Like, no, it isn't. <laughs> like An exhibition isn't really a fight. It's
2: an exhibition. <laughs> Are we sure this guy's qualified to be in this thing?
1: I think he's been hit a couple too many times. But anyway, apparently he was uh, Ken Shamrock's sparring partner throughout his career. And when they would spar, they'd go pretty hard with one another. And him not being used to being in wrestling, he didn't know predetermined and how it was going to go down. So when he got to the arena and they're like, okay, so Ken is going to rough you up and then you're just going to, you know, take it, he was like, fuck no. And he told Ken, I'm going full force. And if you guys watch this segment, it, I don't think that the Peacock has it, but if you watch it on YouTube, Ken Shamrock busts this guy open and just goes to town on him. Oh, it's on there. It's so, on oh, there. it is on. It is on yeah, Peacock. I, I, yeah, I watched it. Well, he he beats the hell out of this guy. Like I guess because he felt he was getting disrespected. Yeah. You know? So they start talking
0: about South African Raw again and much like Honky Tonk Man wanted some of them fur lines or whatever when he was over at, in Germany. He said that he heard that these South African women are some hotties, and he's going to get him some who goes to South Africa next week. And Jim Ross goes, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, good Lord. So Honky's looking to get some South African ass next week, and the Headbangers end up winning with a stage, di- stage dive on Freddie Joe Floyd. Aaron, I have
1: a question. Remember how they had uh Thursday Raw Thursday? Yeah. Is this episode from South Africa gonna be known as South Africa Raw South Africa? I was either thinking that or Raw is African. That that could work too. I like maybe that could be the first hour and then South Africa Raw South Africa could be the second hour.
0: We'll figure it out when we get there.
1: All right, all right and
2: <laughs> convince so like hear me out bro raw is a paw tied <laughs>
0: <laughs> i heard toto was gonna perform
1: <laughs> that's the, thing, the opening song yes
0: then they announce that sid who is supposed to be facing mankind tonight has yet to arrive i'm not sure if this is when sid had his heart attack or what but he's not there
1: yet no at the batting cages Maybe he had a heart attack at the batting cage. Maybe, maybe. You might be right.
2: Instead of the hospital, he just went back to his hotel room. <laughs> with bad news or downtown Bruno.
0: Yeah. And then we get the no holds barred expedition. except I can never say that word. Exhibition. Exhibition with Vernon White and Ken Shamrock. Vernon White kicks Ken Shamrock pretty hard. And then we have the aforementioned Ken Shamrock beating the shit out of this guy. And breaking his nose. And he's bleeding all over the place. And uh, Jack Donne stops it. And introduces Ken Shamrock as the winner. Then JR attempts to interview Ken Shamrock. Who stumbles over his words. Like he always does. And then Vader ends up coming out. And um, they get pulled apart. So basically they're moving in now to Vader. Feuding with Ken Shamrock. And then we get Big Van Vader's match. Against um handsome Frank stiletto, who I think we talked about on a couple of the the slice of time yes episodes yes, big time heel in the northeast independent circuit frank stiletto
2: regular regular opponent of King Kong bundy.
0: That stiletto heel joke is stupid, but
2: (laughs) neither one of you guys
0: ever laugh when I do it, but it cracks me up. It personally makes me laugh. But anyway, um, (laughs) Vader beats him. um, And during that match, sorry, Mankind kind of cut a promo saying that he wanted to make amends with The Undertaker and had a present for him. Then Gorilla soon appears, and they're asking him about Sid and uh, Gorilla Monsoon's like, I don't know where the fuck Sid is. Um, If he doesn't show, I'm going to replace him, because I told these people they'd see Mankind. He's like, I looked up and down the the available roster for the evening, and the only person that's a suitable replacement for Psycho Sid would be Steve Austin. And then Steve Austin pops up, and he's like, "Uh uh-uh, I already wrestled once tonight, and then uh, Gorilla Monsoon says, If I'm going to tell you you're going to wrestle again, you're going to wrestle again. And Steve Austin has his brace in his hand, like his knee brace in his hand. And he holds it up and he goes, If I'm going to tell you I'm going to wrap this around your fat head, I'm going to wrap it around your fat head. Like he's threatening to hit him. And um, this is why I think they know Sid's done. Because Austin says, I heard, and he stops for a second and he's like, I always want to get my hands on Bret Hart again. It's like, I heard uh, Sid has a match against um, Brett on April 20th. And and Gorilla soon says, correct. And he goes, well, if I have to replace Sid tonight, if I have to do this, if Sid doesn't show up and I have to wrestle his match, I want that match with Brett Hart on April 20th. And Gorilla soon says, fair enough. Fair is fair. If Sid doesn't show up, he doesn't get that match with Brett either, and you can have it. So then Steve Austin's like, alright. He walks away. He doesn't wrap the brace around his fat head. <laughs> um, he might even say big old fat head. I can't remember exactly, but it's basically fat head cracked me up. Um so um mankind, he comes out and Jim Ross interviews Mankind um about burning the Undertaker last week. And Mankind basically says the Undertaker is soft. He said, you know, I got into this thing wanting the Undertaker to know who I am, but I'm to, I'm sad and down because the Undertaker really doesn't know who I am. He sits there in his fancy cars and his fancy hotels, and I'm down here in the gutter. He's like, I, I bleed, do this, do that. He's like, Undertaker doesn't... He's like, Undertaker will never understand what it's like to be on a plane having burning flesh... And people staring at you and then getting home and your wife saying, "What, um, what's that smell? What's burning? And it's you. You know, you have to explain to your wife that it's you. And he goes, and I have white trash hillbillies throwing rocks in my house saying, die, mankind, die. And my baby's asking me, save me, daddy, protect me, daddy. And I say, I can't, I can't protect you. And And he's just going off on this whole, it's like fucking awesome. Like, like, he's, he's like, if any of you people wonder how Mankind got somebody to even marry him, let alone procreate, if you can't believe that, just shut off the goddamn TV. Like, stop watching. And it's just, it's like, it's the most, like Nate always says he loves those ECW promos, it's the most Cactus Jack as Mankind definitely since... Yes, this is this is the most Mick Foley esque ECW promo that he ever got on the fucking WWE. Like even after like even when he became like Cactus Jack and shit, like the most Cactus Jack he ever got on fucking TV, and it was fucking fantastic. Like I don't I don't do the promo justice. Like he took he took the majority of his ECW promos and did all the hits from it.
2: And this is also when he started, this is essentially the promo where he started washing away the ultra cartoony mankind character. Okay. Right. You know, in, in, in about a month or so, you're going to get the, the sit down with Jim Ross and all that. So this is the beginning of him washing away. The mankind is some, just some weird guy that was in the basement with a rat. You know, Mankind is actually Mick Foley. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But anyway. It's Foley, baby
1: boy. psychological
0: warfare type stuff. Yeah. Whatever. Well, um, then the Undertaker's gong hits, and we get the Undertaker promo over the PA system. I'm assuming the Undertaker was in South Africa. I'm assuming. They probably sent him and Brett. Because this is almost like a skeleton crew type show. Mm-hmm. Um so he gets a promo talking about how basically he's just doing the undertaker going to rest in peace for catching me on fire or whatever. Um oh by the way sorry mankind's present to the undertaker was a mankind mask cuz he said we're going to look the same because of what I did to your face. Um then the glass breaks and Stone Cold Steve Austin comes out because Sid didn't show up. They brawl all over the building during the match. Owen and Bulldog come out and they watch from a distance, like up in the crowd. Um, Austin ends up getting a like a super, like a super, almost a, attempts a superplex on Mankind, which brings the Bulldog and Owen down to the ring. Um, LOD decide to come out and cut them off, and then Vader attempts to get involved, but ends up hitting Mankind by mistake. The referee calls for disqualification. Austin wins via disqualification um, and bails out. And then Vader and Mankind start to fight. But it ends up Paul Bearer playing Mediator and Vader and Mankind hug. And that's how we go off the air. And that's the Monday Night War of April 7th. Yeah, is that right? April 7th, 1997.
1: Really good raw, kind of a mediocre
2: nitro. Yeah. I was
1: just about to say I'd give it to Raw if I was scoring it.
0: But neither show was terrible, but it nope. was it was good times had by all. <laughs> so unless you guys have anything else to hype or say anything about, I think we'll go ahead and close it up. I think I'm good. Alright. I am also good. So I want to thank everybody for listening. Like I said, listen to all the, all the available shows on uh, We Can't Wrestle, Podcast Network, WrestleNet Radio. Enjoy all of them. They're all great. And I appreciate you guys joining me today. Thank you very much.